This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time! Oh, no. Oh, yeah! I finished these fights. Give me a hell, yeah! Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it! It's the best thing going today. It is a new era for Top Rope Nation as we have surpassed... 100 episodes and we enter our second century of episodes this is number 101 of top rope nation i'm ryan drosty here with justin and kyle and uh, we're gonna also break down tonight the rebirth of new japan pro wrestling in fact people are finally talking about new japan again we're gonna lead off with that here in just a second but uh, it's been a busy week here around the uh, the Top Rope Nation office. We did episode 100 last week. We recorded a new Top Rope Nation Classics, which you can hear on Patreon. Guys, Kyle, I'll throw out to Kyle first of all. Kyle, how's your week going? Are you feeling uh, kind of exhausted like I am? No, actually, I'm not. You're fresh and you're ready. I'm going <laughs> to yeah, lean I'm on you then. Like... Yeah, I'm fresh and pretty. This is, you know, I'm getting into my slow season of work. So I know you are, you're about to join me. Um, you know, That's true, but right now it's busy. As all the great educators of this country deserve a little bit of time off for that. Oh, you have to, to keep your keep your sanity, man. But uh, yeah. I, well, I might be leaning on you then, like a, a Ric Flair opponent in 1985 to carry me tonight because okay. uh, it's been a struggle this week. But I'm I'm hammering through. We got to get the new episode out for Friday, so we're here on Thursday night recording. Uh, how how is your week going otherwise, Kyle? Pretty good. Getting ready, going on a trip uh, over the weekend. Driving up to Michigan, but other than that, yeah, I think we're doing pretty well. Good, good to hear. Justin well, a lot, joined. A lot of great wrestling I've seen in the last seven days. I'll tell you that. That's much. true. That's adding my exhaustion. There's been so much to watch, but it's it's been good stuff. So, Justin, how's it going across town with you? Uh, great. Just uh, celebrating Balor's Club for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Demon King, more like Seaman King. Oh my God. I was wondering if you were going to go there. Imagine, imagine. Imagine, there's no good way to say this in 2019, but I'm going to say it anyway. Imagine <laughs> thinking Finn Balor should be, quote, an empowered gay character. <laughs> Explain, continue. You don't, you never heard that rumor? No, I didn't hear that either. Apparently that's what Stephanie McMahon thought he should have been. Oh hmm. my gosh. Are you, you're telling me the McMahons are out of touch? I don't know. He ain't, poof, he's, he's, Finn Balor does well for himself. Yes, he does. Well, you know who else does well for themselves? This podcast, guys. It's been a few weeks of some great stats. Thanks for all of you out there listening that are sharing with your friends. That's the uh, greatest way to get this podcast growing, word of mouth. Uh, So if you do like us, 
Go ahead and hit the, uh, the thumbs up here on YouTube. If you're listening on YouTube, subscribe. If you are on, I got to call it Apple Podcasts now because that is the latest news coming out of Apple's uh, big conference this week. It's no longer iTunes, guys. It's now just Apple Podcasts. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, on your Mac, on your iPhone, subscribe. Leave a five-star rating. Leave us a review. Better yet, we'll read it on the air. It's been a few weeks since we've had a new one, so uh, I don't have any to read tonight. But leave us one. We'll read it next week. Of course, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, TopRopeNation.com, Google Play. We're pretty much everywhere you can find podcasts. And uh, like I said a second ago, so just yesterday, we put out a brand new show of the Top Rope Nation Classics podcast where we review old shows. We looked at Bash at the Beach 96, one of the most historic uh, wrestling events of all time. We went 90 minutes on that one. It's available exclusively over on Patreon. Uh, could have gone hear- 90 more. Oh, we easily could have. We had a good time reviewing that. Um, you can hear the first 15 minutes I posted as a teaser on our regular podcast feed. So if you haven't checked that out, go ahead and do so. You want to hear the whole thing, patreon.com slash Nation. Would love to have your support. This is the best way to support what we do. Help us grow. Uh, we got a great deal for you this month. So uh, in order to get the exclusive shows, Top Rope Nation Classics, as well as Top Rope Nation Extra, where we review pay-per-views, we'll be having a Stomping Grounds pay-per-view post show exclusively on Patreon, as well as uh, probably AEW's next show at the end of June. Uh, those are available exclusively on the $5 a month tier. Uh, but if you join up this month, before June 30th, at $5 a month, you'll get the new Top Rope Nation Classics, as well as the old shows. And I just got them in the mail, uh, some uh, die-cut stickers with our logo on it, plus, better yet, a Top Rope Nation t-shirt for five bucks. All the exclusive content, the sticker, the t-shirt. Give it a try. We're so confident you'll like the uh, bonus content you get. You'll stick around. So you can get that at patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. Appreciate your support as always. So uh, a couple things, by the way, I love yeah. just listening to you do your normal uh, opening here. Yes. A lot of five, you know, a lot of five star ratings being thrown out in the professional wrestling world this week. And but there is no review uh, of our pro, our fine program to read this week. We do have a tremendous listener question that we'll get into. Oh, that is true. So anytime you guys have a question you want us to read on the air, topropenation at gmail.com. We got a great email uh, this week that we're going to get into in uh, just a little bit. So uh, thanks for sending that in. Uh, guys, I said at the, uh, the top of the show that uh, New Japan – Kind of a rebirth, and a that, strong word. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I say that kind of tongue in cheek. Obviously, New Japan is, is always a big deal, but all elite wrestling has kind of stolen their thunder, um, both in the word of mouth and just in the wrestling world, the conversation. But then also the superstars that are, uh, you know, like the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Cody. Um, they're not working New Japan lately, but some other guys are, and they've brought the eyes of the wrestling world back to New Japan, and they had a hell of a Final night of the best of the Super Juniors tournament just a couple days ago. And then this weekend, we got Dominion, New Japan's second biggest show of the year. So I think there's a lot to talk about with New Japan this week because uh, we haven't talked about them in a long time and did some awesome stuff. We're going to get into TakeOver 2 here just a little bit from last weekend, just kind of go through some general thoughts on that. We got to we got to start out with New Japan. So uh, the two matches, obviously getting most of the attention from the other night, John Moxley, who debuted with AEW, Double or Nothing, he goes over to Japan. Word is he's got a short-term deal. Wrestles Juice Robinson for the IWGP US title. 
wins the title in a really good match. And then in the Best of the Super Juniors finals, Will Ospreay uh, gets the victory in a match of the year contender over uh, Takagi. So what did you guys think of these two matches in general? Uh, I'm, I'm assuming... I know which one you're going to say was the best match, but I thought they were both really good. Let's just start off with uh, the Moxley match and what you guys thought of his debut with New Japan. Let me throw it out to to Justin first. What did you think of John Moxley Moxley's debut uh, with NJPW? I got to be honest, I I thought it was good, but I I think I also came to the realization that I might not just be a very big fan of uh, Moxley's in ring work. I, I love his character work. Ooh but yeah, his in-ring stuff has never really done anything for me. And I, I, I found myself drifting to my phone a little bit during this match um, outside of a, you know, I guess part of it was too, I was distracted by his new look. Um, I thought the barbed wire on the trunks were, it was a little corny and he has the uh, one hooped earring um, in the little, the little tiny shoes. Those were, those were precious. Um, and actually, you know what? And, it was more, I'm not really a huge fan of Juice Robinson. So mm-hmm. it was just it really, it's two guys that have always kind of underwhelmed me. I, the match was fine. Um, but I also watched it after I watched the Will oh, Ospreay that was, match. That was a mistake. <laughs> yeah, I watched them in, in, in the other order. And I would actually agree with you. So I've loved, like, from a personality standpoint, seeing, use the term rebirth again here with uh, John Moxley. The Dean Ambrose character is always a little too goofy for me. And obviously for him, too, if you've listened to any interviews he's given. But uh, I've always thought he was a good brawler. I thought the match, especially, like, the first half of it where they were brawling over the arena, was really cool. Between the ropes, I've always thought he's kind of just, he's better than average, but nothing, like, crazy special. I would, I would agree with you on that, Justin. And uh, I even thought the match was a little sloppy at times. Um, it was exciting. It was cool to see him in the different setting. Uh, I thought Meltzer overrated this match. I wouldn't have given it as high of a, a star. What do you go? Four he and a half on this. Yeah. He wasn't the only one too. There were, there were st- the snowflakes were flying for this one too. Not as much as the Osprey match, but they were flying. Yeah. I, I would say like, I'd probably be at a round of four maybe four and a quarter on this if I'm writing it, but uh, it was a good match. Abel tweeted you, oh, you're really getting mad about a quarter star? (laughs) (laughs) I'm probably right around that, yeah, that four star, four to to a quarter, but uh, yeah, it was was a little sloppy. I'm not the biggest Juice Robinson fan either, but uh, it was exciting. It was something new, and it made me interested in New Japan again. Kyle, your thoughts? Watching this, I just, I I don't know. I, I think I liked it a little bit more than you guys, to be honest with you. Um, I just couldn't help but think what an indictment this was of the WWE and a lot of the things that Moxley complained about in those interviews. It's not just, you know, this isn't something that isn't getting enough run. It's not just him, um, you know, working outside the WWE system. Juice Robinson, yeah. another guy who, you know, CJ Parker didn't really do much there, did he? Mm-hmm. And now look at him. He's having a match, getting a lot more buzz than anything he ever did in WWE. So it's kind of like a dual indictment right there. I mean, that these guys are getting a lot of buzz post-WWE. Yeah, no doubt. Um, it was also kind of funny watching the match with the uh, – New Japan doesn't really censor 
the uh, the English being spoken. A lot of f bombs from John Moxley <laughs> before and after. It was yeah. pretty crazy how after he won the title, how he walked out just shoving everyone, all the young boys around mm-hmm. ringside. But uh, no, I mean it was it was a good match. I'm interested to see him continue on for a little while. Now, were you guys surprised that he won the U.S. title here? No, you can't bring him in and have him lose in his first match. Um, I also, the, that U S title means nothing to me. <laughs> They've just got too many titles. I mean, they're, they're even worse than WWE. So yeah, this, this is kind of related, but how reliant then is new Japan going to be on AEW, And when are they finally going to sign some kind of working arrangement? Because I know a lot of people are already thinking, look, Moxley makes this appearance with double or nothing and he wins one of their top singles titles. Do they really not have an agreement? But all word is they do not have an agreement, but new Japan is allowed to sign these guys on short-term deals. Cause AEW is not full time yet. You know, they're doing one show a month right now. Uh, they're clearly capitalizing on, on some of these AEW names. You got Chris Jericho coming over this there this weekend. And if, if he were to win the IWGP heavyweight title, I have everyone, cool. Everyone's going to be thinking there's got to be a working arrangement here well, between the two, right? But New Japan's uh, general manager just said the other day they don't have a working arrangement. They're loyal to Ring of Honor, which nobody is talking about anymore. Uh, and they are not many people are loyal to anymore. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> they didn't. I'll tell you what, they didn't have a great weekend. Yeah, but they they are. Uh, and they don't. They don't have. They don't have a talent exchange agreement. It's just that a few of these AEW guys are allowed to work over there, and with the lighter schedule right now, they're taking taking the offers. So, Justin, your thoughts? I was just going to say, uh, I don't think it's so much about a working relationship, or you know, where AEW is at right now. I think it's more of a uh, the star power or the, the the say that Jericho and Moxley have. I'm sure they went to AEW said want to sign with you, but I, you know, I still make good money in new Japan and I want to do stuff over there. Well, it's interesting that, you know, Kenny could take outside bookings, but he has not, you know, he could have appeared at that MSG show over WrestleMania weekend did not. So some of the guys are, are using this freedom they have other guys are not for right now, but new Japan now will Osprey who we're going to talk about in a minute, you know, he's, he's over there, but, uh, some of these AEW guys, especially if New Japan's going to continue trying to expand into North America, they're going to need them on their shows. I mean, we've seen New Japan kind of take a nosedive, at least over on this side of the world, in regards to the wrestling conversation. I think nosedive's a bit harsh. Again. You do? Because I don't yeah. see anyone talking about New Japan anymore until this week. I don't know. Apparently, you, your, your website, you, apparently your Google Chrome does not uh, have <laughs> F4Wonline.com uh, bookmarked <laughs> on it. But well, 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 hang on. But they're having trouble selling out that show in Dallas that's been on well, sale. Well, yeah, for but months. that was, yeah, that was, I mean, that was going to be an issue going in. I think they may have, I mean, look, I mean, nosedive, I'll still say, is harsh. Like, I don't think they're in a free fall. I mean, is it plateaued? Sure. But maybe even going down? It, I mean, it's definitely gone down. At I mean, least, they, just did, I, they it, just did that huge show at MSG. Which was drawn on the backs of the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. Yeah. And weren't even on the show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> Those tickets um, were sold because everyone thought they were going to be on the mm, show. True. But, um, you know, and again, you talk about working arrangements. I mean, you saw Ring of Honor's contributions to that show. Not good. I mean, it would absolutely, I think we all agree, there isn't a, a soul in the re- outside 
of Ring of Honor that thinks that it would not behoove uh, New Japan to have a working relationship with AEW and no. dump yeah. Ring of Honor completely. Yes, definitely. So yeah, I, I think I think I like working arrangements. You know, we talk moving guys around, not being stagnant. We talk about this all the time in WWE. WWE's biggest problem is you just have all these guys being stagnant. And they like, you know, they try to lead you to believe that moving from Raw to SmackDown means something. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, New Japan is, has been the only thing outside of WWE for a long time to, you know, for wrestling fans to look forward to here, you know, and, and I've been, I've been a paying subscriber in New Japan world since the day it launched. I still am. And I want them to do well. I'm just saying that the interest level hasn't been there since Cody or since not Cody. Well, Cody worked there once in a while, but since Kenny left in particular. Yes. Okay. If you're going that route, you're right. They do need a little something because, you know, as ballyhooed as Okada is, it did, you know, putting the title back on him, very much felt like kind of a all right going back to you know kind of going back to the past mm -hmm. type deal you know um omega was supposed to be the guy and he's not there anymore in that regard you're right they are they do kind of have to sort out the pieces because yeah. jay white fucking guy <laughs> your guy jay white yeah i mean they're not struggling in japan though i mean they had a big crowd yeah best of the super G. i'm saying on this side of the yeah, world I mean, like the north american very interest, successful yeah yeah the north american interest has certainly been down since aw launched but i think you combine these two into a working arrangement where they're exchanging talent all the time and i think it's only going to benefit both sides so we we'll see what happens but yeah. uh i was a lot more interested in them than those shows on monday and tuesday night on my that's for sure television on my cable television station that yeah, that is for sure so the main event which dave Meltzer gave five and three quarter stars the will osprey shingo match was unbelievable uh called back a little bit to the the osprey ricochet match from a few years back in the best of the super juniors but this one was better um this was shingo's first loss in new japan which was played in 93 match. Well, yeah, Meltzer said, I guess he was on the losing end of some tag matches, but like he didn't take the fall. I mean, it was the first time he's taken a fall and yeah, like 93 matches or something like that. Alvarez said, yeah. So I mean, Will Ospreay, this, this is a guy, I, you know, I just mentioned a called back to the Osprey ricochet match. Here's the consistency that Osprey's in both of them. Uh, Osprey is a hell of a performer. Always watch like watching him wrestle and uh, big things on the horizon for him, do you guys think? Or uh, is this just another great match and uh, he's not going to rise above the level he's at now? Uh, boy, I think he might be the best wrestler in the world right now. Dave Meltzer agrees with you. Um, I, You know, a little fantasy booking I was doing in my head today is because he was interviewed and talking about how just like uh, Marty Skrull is – he hates how the junior division is seen as lesser than, you know, the heavyweights. Uh, so, you know, maybe you end up with a Okada Osprey at Wrestle Kingdom, perhaps, you know, the, the heavyweight title for, you know, against the junior weight title. Mm -hmm. um, a couple quick things on the match, which was freaking phenomenal. Uh, one, I, you know, I looked up Shingo cause I didn't know anything about him. I uh, brought up, wikipedia and he was uh i think the 2005 uh is it pwi rookie of the year i believe 
Okay. Yeah. Um, and I just, you know, I was looking at that and I found it interesting that uh, Kurt Angle was never rookie of the year for them. Uh, but Mark Jinjak was. Wow. <laughs> it's interesting. And then just on a, on a personal note, watching the about halfway through the match. God bless you, Bill, after. <laughs> halfway through the match, somebody told me that uh, Will Ospreay is actually kind of a dick. And so then I was just watching the rest of the match, trying to like see if I could see it. You know, it's like, man, is this guy a dick? <laughs> And we walked right past his table in uh, Main yeah, weekend last year. Yeah, he does not. He's not great at the Twitter.com app. By the way, it was the it was the Observer that he won the Rookie of the Year. I don't I don't know if it was PWI or did he? He might he might have done them both. Yeah, I wonder if he dealt, he might have won them both. I I just I just looked at it too because I was I was interested in what you had, were just saying. Yeah, the Observer has him in Rookie of the Year two thousand five. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, that, that was it. I was just going to say, I wasn't that familiar with him either. I worked in Dragon Gate a lot for a long, long time. He's been in Ring of, Ring of Honor a little bit, uh, PWG, but just made the jump to New Japan last year. So um, kind of getting more and more familiar with him. Awesome clotheslines, very physical performer. Uh, could hang right there in the acrobatics with uh, Osprey as well. So very uh, well-rounded in the ring, for sure. Yeah, I like what you said, striking. Mm-hmm. physical that's what i like in wrestling this match had a certain violence to it that a lot of junior heavyweight matches often lack i thought uh something else i really enjoyed with it they let the big spots breathe um there's a lot of times on this program where we'll compare a show to another show a match to another match just something to something and you know i'll have my opinion but i'll say eh, if you feel the other way i'm not jumping on your throat i'm not mad at you you know, I'm not going to fault you for that. But um, when it comes to this match versus another match we're going to talk about here in a little bit, uh, the Cole Gargano match from TakeOver, I'm going to do what we call in the industry, in the gambling industry, uh, take a position. You're wrong if you think Cole Gargano was better than this match. Than this New Japan match? Yes. Yeah, I don't think it was. Because the, 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 the breathing that – these guys did in between the spots was so much better than Cole and Gargano, mm-hmm. where it was just kind of like a video game at times. Um, so I really like that the violence and letting the big spots breathe. That's so big in wrestling and something that's forgotten a lot. Yes. Um, the match did not feel, you know, what was the time on the mat? The official time it was like 32, 33 minutes. Yeah, it yeah. didn't feel that long. Yeah. Like, you know, Justin, it's really interesting. He talked about, and I think this is, a metric that we need to use more because I do it sometimes too. I mean, we all have cell phones. And a lot of these matches, even that people we like and lots of people like, there's a lot of times, Cole and Gargano, quite frankly, is, is both matches they've had have been one of them where I kind of drift off and will look at my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, this, there was no such drifting off. I was fully engaged the whole time. That makes a great match. It, along with Cody and Dustin, those are my two top matches of 2019 so far. I'll admit, I, I got out my phone with the uh, Moxley match, just like Justin did a little bit um, with Juice. Yeah. I, boy, there was a, you know, obviously I watched the match after it happened, but I still, when Osprey hit that uh, reverse, her and Conrana, and Shingo's neck looked like it turned in a really weird way. That just made me cringe. And I, I didn't think he was getting back up. That was, that was a scary spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, I think there's there's quite a few but that one definitely stands out where you're just like 
almost ready to jump out of your chair. It was so crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, a couple times they came down uh, with their legs across the guardrail on the outside. Shingo did, I think, if I recall correctly, mm-hmm. where it was kind of made you cringe a little bit. But man, Didn't this feel choreographed. Even no, no. very big in Kyle Ross's world. I got news for you there. Well, you know, actually, I thought about that during the match because, I mean, their their reversals and the way they timed they timed everything. It's just like. So I'm I'm assuming Shingo must speak English or like I'm just curious as to how much talking there is going on because it just seems like that is either they are talking the entire time or that entire thing was was scripted from start to finish. Oh sure, I mean it is, but like the key to great wrestling is making it look real. And I'll, and I'll go back to that Cole Gargano match again, which I know we're going to. There are a lot of spots in that match if you go back and rewatch it where it's not authentic. Like there's you know the where the one wrestler, this is in Cole Gargano, just does something to set up the other wrestler doing something. And it's very obvious when you watch it. Like, there's a spot in that match where Johnny Gargano just jumps backwards off the ropes. And when you watch it back, you're like, why did he do that? Well, it's so we could get it with a backstabber. But, like, why would you jump blindly back first towards your opponent? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's kind of silly. This to didn't to have that cutter. <laughs> yeah, but this didn't happen at all. Like, but like those reversals you were speaking of, it felt very authentic. It didn't, like, you didn't have that. It, it was just a cut above. Kyle, and, I love it when you lay down knowledge like this. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. I just, you know, what also helps this match too is a lot of people, and I have a lot of backlog to watch. Everyone is pretty much universally calling this the best of the Super Juniors tournament ever. By the way, keep in mind for our deep, di- our I love the sport deep dive of the week the best of the super juniors because we will be going back in time this week. Um, but, um, you know, this being the culmination of the best, best of the super juniors tournament ever. And these two kind of being the guys everyone thought would be in the finals really helps the match. And then again, delivering, what do we talk? You know, I talked about this, what I wanted to see with AEW when we broke down the promotion before double or nothing, make me want to see something and then deliver. That's the key to professional wrestling, folks. Spitting knowledge. You can listen to this man talk pro wrestling every day. I love it. That's You're right. right on, Kyle. Right, right on. Yeah, I think I think the uh, the biggest praise I can give a wrestling match is this is one of those matches where if someone asked me, why do you watch pro wrestling? You know, this is one I would actually put on for people that I think could make them understand or even make them fans. There's a lot of WWE matches where it's I could put them on. I think they're great, but I I just don't see the general public getting into it. This match was just so amazing that I feel like I could just turn on for anyone and they'd be like, yeah, that was freaking cool. You know, like they would get into it. Like I'm going to a, I'm going to be eating dinner with a few neighbors tomorrow night. I'm pretty sure none of them watch pro wrestling, you know? So like if it, if it came up about, Oh, you know, Ryan writes about pro wrestling. He loves pro wrestling. And they wanted to see what it was all about. This is like, a match I would put on to show them like how awesome and great pro wrestling could be. Did so. you guys both like this better than Okada Omega? Any of them? I liked it better than the most recent one for sure. I actually, yeah, I probably did. There's probably some recency bias there, yeah. but yeah, yeah, I love that term. I love when people bust out the term recency bias. That just makes me <laughs> it really gets match. you going. It really does. <laughs> I, I thought to me, so like, um, Gets your Valor Club clubbing. Yeah, maybe I'm like a hipster or something like that. But like, um, 
you know, two years ago, I actually liked the Okada Shibata, you know, the infamous match where like Shibata, like, you know, unfortunately injured himself. Um, I like that better than the Okada Omega matches and watching as soon as this was over, I was like, this is probably my favorite match in new Japan since that Okada Shibata match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm gonna have to watch it a second and third time because yeah, it was I, it was great. I always say you really can't properly rate a wrestling match till you watch it a second time. Mm-hmm. I would agree. A so, lot of people also say, "Wow, you are a fucked up individual." But hey, that's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> okay. so, Kyle, what what's what's uh, what's leading your race for match of the year right now? That or uh, the the Rhodes match? I don't know. I would have to watch them again in like a couple months too to see what holds up. You know, we'll wait. It's always flu- a fluid situation. I'll go back and I'll change my 94 match of the year if I feel like it right now. <laughs> actually, I wouldn't. He'll open that spreadsheet. And a- actually, down. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. 94 is a bad example. There's so very. We just celebrated the anniversary, by the way, of, of that match. That would be my 94 match. A lot of, lot of anniversaries uh, of great Japanese matches we celebrated this week. Keep that in mind for later. All right. Well, I want to transition this right into the uh, takeover discussion. And we're not going to go full breakdown match by match because, yes, it has been almost a week since this show. Uh, but let's start off with that main event, Kyle, since uh, we were just talking about it. The Cole Gargano match. Now, I liked this one better than the two out of three falls match. I will say that. Now, the finish I could I could have some disagreements with. Um. Like we were texting after the it. finish like, itself so, or who went over? Who went over? Because okay. now Undisputed Era didn't win throughout the card. And I kind of thought, all right, if Cole loses here, maybe they'll finally get the call up to the main roster, which is stale as all hell. Or, it could use some excitement. That's funny. That's what you thought. Mm-hmm. That's not what I thought at all. Well, I, I kind of was thinking that in the back of my head. Now, I, I predicted Gargano to win. And we were texting afterwards. And uh, now... First of all, I should say Justin Joint had inclinations that Adam Cole would win. As usual, he was right. But Kyle and I thought Gargano would win because he seemed like, you know, kind of the face of the promotion for the summer. And so we were texting afterwards. And he just chased the freaking title for God knows how long. Exactly. So we're like, so now what? So Gargano chases again? It just kind of seems off. So I'm I'm not quite sure on the result. But the match itself was very good. I did like it better than the one a few months ago. Uh, Kyle, you've got some big issues with this match. Well, apparently. I kind of went, I kind of went through them already. That just the believability factor and some I, of the spots. I just so I had a buddy um, who signed up. I think I've mentioned this before in the program, maybe multiple times. But I had a buddy, uh, you know, kind of one of those laps fans. He signed up for his free month of the network, and he asks me to put together a playlist for him of matches that he wouldn't have seen. Like, I mean, he's again, he's seen you know all the big ones, but he's like, hey, put together a playlist so I can go through watching stuff. And it was really funny. I met him out like uh, two weeks ago at a bar. And he was talking. He's like, you know, I liked a lot of those recent matches you recommended to me. But they all seemed way too choreographed. Like the moves. It was like you just knew what was coming. And like it just was like, you know, they were kind of just working together to do the moves. And look, this was obviously a very good match. Both of both Cole Gargano matches are very good. I don't, but this is weird to say, I don't want to see other people doing this kind of style match. I do, it it is like a video game where there's no resting. It's just like they do a big move, don't sell, 
get up. The other guy does a big move. It's cool to watch, but like, and there are times though when I'm like, I should be enjoying this more. And I drift. I'm like, okay, like they're just doing like, there's just no pacing to it. It's, I guess the pacing is go, go, go. I almost wonder if the problem is that style of match going so long. You know, doing a 30 minute match, you know, with that kind of moveset is kind of silly. You know, I, I, I kind of thought the Gargano Ciampa matches jumped the shark. Um, certainly by the third one on TakeOver, because like a brawl shouldn't last that long. Mm-hmm. You know, like you want to watch a good brawl, like the great brawls of yesteryear. You were all short matches because a brawl, you're like dead after like eight minutes because you're brawling. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, you know, like if you want to watch what I think is a great professional wrestling brawl, this is not the deep dive of the week. Watch Slamboree 94 when the nasty boys were Cactus Jack and Kevin Sullivan. It's a, it's probably the best sub 10 minute match one of the best subtenant matches you'll ever see. It's nonstop weapon uses, but it doesn't go over 10 minutes because the idea of a match like that going over 10 minutes is ridiculous. And I think the style these two are trying to do going over, you know, 30 minutes is, I don't know, it gets repetitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it feels wrong. I'm, I'm picking it apart. Like, I feel like from a star, this is where I feel star rating system is kind of broken in the modern era. Like everyone is going to give this match the highest star rating of the show. And I, I think I, I give it the four and a half stars. But I feel I liked the first two matches on the show better. I felt like I was more fulfilled as a wrestling fan, which might sound odd because, you know, you talked about, oh, if Cole loses your Undisputed Era, it goes up to the main roster. I took at it as, okay, they've been building up this tension in the Undisputed Era, and they're going to break up, and, they're, and Cole and Roddy Strong are going to feud. You know, Roddy's going to like kind of usurp him and be the new leader of the Undisputed Era. And Adam Cole would probably be a perfectly fine babyface on his own down there. Um, but this is very WWE-ish. They build one way and then they go the other direction. So I, I, I am, that's the other thing I heard the match. I think having Johnny Gargano lose here is bad. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, uh, one more thing. Why not have Cole win the first time? Because, you know, you kind of shoved him in. You know, I brought that up mm-hmm. WrestleMania weekend. I think I said, I think Adam Cole should win this match. And you have Gargano chase him. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did the opposite. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Kyle's critique of the match is, is very valid. Um, I think they could definitely use some more rest or, you know, some more selling of the of the the moves. Um, the thing for me is it kind of, it, it makes the last one age a little worse for me just because like, especially when you just look at all of Gargano's takeover matches for the past year or so, where, I mean, you have to basically kill him for 30 plus minutes in order to beat him. Whereas in that two, you know, two out of three falls match, Adam Cole just kind of beats him out of nowhere, you know, 15 minutes in and just like, oh, okay, that's kind of weird. What do we um, think of two out of, not to interrupt, but what do we think of two out of three falls gimmick? I like him. Mm, okay. I'm, I'm not a huge fan because you, you always know it's going to the third fall, right? Like almost always. So I was ready when we had our takeover discussion last week, I was ready to shit on the two out of three falls gimmick. But then I watched that revival DIY one and that was like actually really good. <laughs> 
mm-hmm. like that held up. Like I thought they did a good job. So it did. Overall, yeah, there's exceptions, but overall, I'm not a huge fan of them. I would say, but uh, it it can it can work out well. Like the example you mentioned. Go ahead, uh, Justin. Continue. Uh, I mean, that's all I really had. I I loved the the riddle and strong. I think that's going to be one that you you can easily go back to and rewatch, where you don't have to spend. 35 40 minutes in order to watch it mm-hmm. um and, and actually i'm kind of with kyle where as far as the star rating goes for that uh ladder match i would have been more in the four range i don't think i was quite a, as high on it as everybody else and that uh what what's his name jackson Riker, whatever the uh, not a fan not a fan he kind of came in and ruined the momentum they a lot there were that was a popular take on the twitter timeline although my wife uh, Jackson Riker passed the test of, oh, that guy looks ripped, <laughs> which is always something I make note of. Like when he's sitting there, my wife's like, oh, that guy looks just ripped. And I was like, is, is Jack? I was like, is Jackson Riker good? And I, I don't know if I feel that way, but like you know, to definitely pass that. If he's not good, maybe he can work at Chippendales. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to go back to something you said a second ago before we get into these other matches, and that was the undisputed era breakup. Don't you think that would be a huge blown opportunity if they didn't bring them up together to the main roster? Because Could I feel like bring... okay, I, f- I feel like Undisputed Era is outside of the Shield the best faction by far they have had in the last six or seven years. And you saw after WrestleMania the crowd. I mean, I know that's a hardcore crowd, but they were chanting for him, expecting him to come up. And yeah, I don't, I don't know if these guys shake out. If they just brought them up individually, maybe they could do a tag team with a couple of them. Uh, I'm not sure that they succeed on them. Maybe they don't want to bring them up to the main roster. Maybe you're going to yeah, stay in NXT yeah, you know, I, forever. I, I, I mean, that's that's possible, I think too. you're talking yourself into the way I feel. I, I, I'll i be honest with you. Together, separate, I, I don't see the Undisputed Era being. Vince McMahon, you remember I told that joke? I repeated a joke that I read on Twitter that, you know, um, remember everyone like was like so pissed when the bar came out and interrupted um the seth kofi match the night after mm-hmm. wrestlemania you know and people were like oh you know what we get the bar you know we don't even get the undisputed era and somebody on twitter joked that the undisputed era was standing at gorilla vince took one look at him and was like <laughs> give me sheamus yeah <laughs> with, with vince, i just i do not see right now the way the main rosters book the undisputed era having and i don't care what the fans think I don't see them having any chance of success. But again, I, I, that, that's why the main roster sucks. I mean, that's indicative of all the problems on the main roster because nobody cares. Yes, these guys aren't very big. I mean, Adam Cole is pretty small, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. compared to a lot of the main roster guys. Said people have told him, you don't look like a pro wrestler. Yes, but like, man, that that would be a, a travesty if they never tried that faction on the main roster because the, the faction's super hot. The fans love it. I think if pushed, they could do well together in the main roster. But again, yeah, separately, I, I don't know. I think it'd be better to bring them up together first because I do think the faction would catch on. So if they do the breakup angle in NXT, while it will be good television and exciting to watch in NXT, I'm going to be thinking in the back of my mind, like, ah, if they don't get that burn on the main roster, that sucks. Now, I guess they could always put them back together. Yeah, but- that's what I'm going to say. I think you can just find a way to put them back together in terms for the main roster. Yeah, we've talked too, though. Like, there's so much depth in NXT right now. I mean, they could put them up now and spice things up because the main roster is freaking terrible and the television is so boring. They just might call some guys up. I agree. WWE just has two. Honestly, like, this is not part of my political ethos. 
Oh, and by the way, I love Meltzer slipping the dig at Trump's tax cuts uh, in the Observer this <laughs> what? week. I didn't see that. Oh, this was absolutely incredible. This is some of Dave Meltzer's finest work in the Observer. He he goes, there's only a few things certain in life, death, taxes, and then he puts in parentheses, well, maybe not taxes if you're super rich, apparently. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, Dave and, Meltzer. Uh, I, 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 yeah, Meltzer. Bring it. Well, let's get the let's get the political section of the wrestling Jeez. observer newsletter going. Six stars. Yeah, Maybe they should bring back the uh, the letters to the editor section. Yeah, <laughs> I just think right now, to me, like Gargano and the undisputed era guys are quote the backbone of uh, the NXT brand. And while they're all talented enough in a perfect world to be on the main roster, we know it's not a perfect world. I actually don't advocate any of those guys going up. I think they're right now i'm at the point i don't want to see anybody i like going up to the so yeah, and, in all seriousness you don't want, I don't want to be ruined you don't have i don't want velvet dream right. going up there yeah and we're, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that in a moment because there's two i thought it was like so painfully obvious watching the show there was two other people it's like howard's not on the main roster but like i just think if you want nxt to be like this it shouldn't just be like a pass through where it's like okay someone's really good you go up to the main roster like i don't actually think that's what nxt should be i think you know because we like, I think they need some backbones there. And I think Gargano and Undisputed Era are the backbones. I think there's a lot of other people um, that I would send up before them. that People that maybe even are, quote, unquote, less talented in the ring. But I just think that, that they're people who have a at least better upside on the main roster. I just think Vince McMahon is going to, like, do you think Vince McMahon is going to fucking push Johnny Gargano as a top baby face on the main roster? I mean, if you do, I got some farmland in Jersey that you might be interested in, man. I don't, but <laughs> I think some of these others, other guys, yes. And you guys don't want them to go up because you're concerned they're going to be ruined, which looking at what has happened is a valid concern. But, like, don't you want this five hours of television to be a little bit better? I don't think it will be. I, I don't, I, honest to God, I just, like, look at all these people who have come up. And that should have made it better. I know. I, again, it's it's fear of of them of them screwing it up. It's not it's not that you don't want them to succeed on the main roster or be on the main roster. It's you think they're gonna f it up. Yeah, right? I mean, I root for their livelihoods. I mean, I'm sure there's a significant pay increase that comes with that, and they can provide for their families and themselves. That's great. But I I just don't see anyone on NXT, no matter how talented they are, changing this main roster the way it is. It's institutionally um, fucked. <laughs> For less terrible. That, that, this this company is beyond repair. Did That's you listen? I mean, I mean, I listened. I, I just listened to you know John Moxley. You know, over the course of what four hours, just hammer home the point. This company creatively has a massive institutional issue. Yes, and it, which and, AW could maybe change, right? Like if, if AW succeeds with some of these smaller guys, they're gonna have to change their ways. Vince is old, man. What do old people not do? Vote Democrat. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But they also don't. Yeah. Okay. A walk hand in hand with that. They don't like change. Yes. Okay. Um. I mean, if the only thing that would make Vince McMahon change his booking way ways is if those TV deals dried up or if Saudi Arabia said bye-bye. Yeah. And that deal's locked in for a lot of years, that Saudi Arabia deal. These TV deals are locked in for a lot of years. Why is he going to change it? Because 
three assholes that call themselves Top Rope Nation want them to? <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> well, I agree with you about those guys being the backbone of NXT, but we've seen numerous guys who over the years have been the backbone of NXT and they move on and they get new backbones. And I, we can just look a That's couple true. years I mean, look a couple years ago, NXT was in kind of a, a down period as far as NXT goes, at least. And now they're riding high again i think you if these guys get brought up there'll be other people who rise to the occasion you know, you i just think they have tons of talent down there you can find new backbones but you know i mean finn, like finn balor and bailey were obviously the you know backbones a few years ago and then they called up and you know um it's sammy zane owens yeah yeah nakamura they, for a while um but yeah i just think that i don't know selfishly i kind of don't want them to go um you know justin kind of when we're just going back to the start of the show, um, those first two matches, what I really liked about them was not only were they good matches, but you know, I would, I don't, I hesitate to use the term star making performance for both Matt Riddle and the Street Profits. But one thing that is so underrated about wrestling in 2019 is it's not about just the right person going over. You know, it used to be we used to take that for granted you know, the right person's going to go over in this spot. They, they would nine times out of 10 in wrestling. Well, <laughs> well, hello, welcome to the modern era, especially WWE, that doesn't always happen. But not only putting the right people over, but having them look good while going over. Again, seems very obvious. Like, duh, that's like what you should do. Well, it doesn't always happen. In both instances with those first two matches, I thought Matt Riddle and the Street Profits looked great in going over. Um, and that was key. Um, did like the timeline, both taking time to salute, uh, ironically, undisputed era guys in those matches. Because Roderick Strong, I mentioned this on the program last week in our preview, such an underrated professional wrestler. He's been doing it for over 10 years. Um, O'Reilly and Fish, you know, went balls out in that ladder match. They took a lot of punishment, so they should be commended. But, um, man, I, I really, after those first two matches, I liked Matt Riddle and the Street Profits even more than I did going in. And that's pretty hard because I like them a lot. Those two acts a lot. Yeah, I'd agree. I was really high on the Street Profits after that match. And yeah. you, you were on the Street Profits bandwagon early. So kudos to that. I mean, you talk about wrong call-up. I, I would. I think they have a much higher ceiling than the Viking Raiders. I mean, like, if, if you're, like, someone who just watches wrestling on a very basic level, and you look at the Viking, aren't you like, eh, bludgeon brother? You know, you're just going to be like, yeah, we've, it's just two brawny guys with beards again. Mm -hmm. The Street Profits. I mean, these guys, these guys are stars. Man. Yeah. And you got the like, entrance, too, through the yeah, crowd, which is yeah. awesome. Angelo Dawkins, you know, I said this last show, he really benefited from his time at Evolve. You know, because yeah. they, they went their work because they weren't getting any TV time in NXT. Mm -hmm. yep. And again, homegrown. Homegrown from the PC. This could be a big success story. Mm -hmm. My hat's off to him. What did we think of uh, this Io Shirai possible heel turn? Because I thought that was pretty odd, to tell you the truth. Because Shayna Baszler is so hated and such yeah. a great heel that why are you have like Shirai was getting a ton of babyface heat from the crowd throughout. They wanted to see her win so bad. So then she turned like she she has this poor the, like the announcers are harping on the poor sportsmanship afterwards when she she attacked her and uh, you got Candice LeRae looking on on the outside you know kind of horrified so teasing something's gonna happen there between them two down the line I don't know why you do this I don't complain about NXT booking that much but 
they're not going to cheer Baszler. And so I, what's the purpose? I think it's going to be a separate thing. I don't think they're going to feud him. I think, you know, I mean, I, you cannot turn. I mean, <laughs> nothing surprises me in the world of the WWE, but like Shayna Baszler baby face would be like, come on, stop it. You know, that's not going to happen. I just think they're both independently going to be heels now. Then, then how do you build a heel off of a, like a heel attacking a heel? I don't know. I, I Well, I'm with you. I thought it was odd. And I think it's a result of booking yourself into a corner. They Because Baszler, who is someone who should be playing a person, should be up. Like, to me, you know, looking at Baszler and Velveteen Dream should both be on the main roster. Yeah. If, if, if you're looking at this show and you're saying, who are two people who should be on the, who should be on the main roster? They have to go, Kyle. Advocate. It's Velveteen Dream and Shayna Baszler for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but they, Baszler's obviously not going to the main roster for whatever reason. They're going to keep her as the NXT champion. So what, I think they were like, well, what do we do with Io Shirai? If we just have her lose as a baby face, what then? So I, I think this was their kind of way. They're like, oh, well, we'll just turn her heel. And, you know, we were talking about this a few weeks ago with the rest of the program that like, you know, that pirate gimmick of Kyrie saying this kind of, I, I think mm-hmm. it's, I think it's silly, but she was, she connected with the audience more than EO has so far. And I think the decision to turn her heel, which was obviously made before the match, um, may have, you know, her not being over as much as they wanted as a baby face may have played into that decision as well, that not going over. And we had that discussion on text too, that, Mm-hmm. They uh they should have came up together, the Sky Pirates, and it makes no sense to have Oscar in that tag team. So that's correct. That's also valid. That's a valid point. Go ahead, I, Justin. I didn't see it quite the same way as you guys did. Uh, Baszler is such a good heel, and you know, and the and the fans are are so much against her that I think it was okay to do that with EO because she's not going to get that hundred percent heel reaction, especially with uh oh shit uh, Gargano's wife right there. Uh, don't Candace you have LeRae. her? Don't you have her attack Candice LeRae to get the, the primary exactly. heel? Heat? That and that's why I don't think it was an actual heel turn. It was just, it, it was adding a new element to her character. This little bit of uh, loose cannon. Because um, I did read later on. Like, God, I wish I could give credit to her for this. But apparently, her character over in Japan was a little bit more of a loose cannon. She wasn't just a straight lace uh, baby face. So I think this was just a way to kind of bring this out a little bit. Give her an edge. Think, yeah, give her an edge because it's not a full heel turn because it was against Baszler. Well, if the trend on this program is yeah, uh, an indication, yeah. that's probably exactly right. So listeners, just take that to the bank right there. Justin's it, always on the ball. Were you, Justin, are you saying that uh, this was uh, EO's Ken Shamrock SummerSlam 97 moment? <laughs> <laughs> yeah get out of my way yeah. <laughs> good thing Shayna didn't try feeding her dog food yes hey should we get to this listener question oh i have one more question okay um with takeover to you guys okay so the only match we really haven't talked about was the velveteen dream tyler breeze match for the north american title i thought the match was pretty good um but did you get the sense watching it that the quote-unquote main roster stench was too much for Tyler Breeze to overcome? Is that a fair commentary by me? Like, I thought he was good. He obviously, it's a much better platform than for him than anything he's gotten on the main roster. But, like, I just didn't take him, like, seriously as this. Like, it's kind of crazy. It's like when a main when someone from the main roster comes down to take on someone from NXT, 
it should be theoretically like the main roster person's this like huge star, you know, and the and the NXT person's like, you know, just trying so desperately to, you know, um, look that person's equal. Mm-hmm. I got the complete opposite feeling in this match where it was <laughs> the main roster person was like, God, I just, you know, I'm trying to look like I'm on the same level as the NXT person. And that is an odd dynamic. Yeah. But that, I think that's the story because all the fans know where Tyler Breeze was at on the main yeah. roster. It wasn't like he was yeah. killing it or anything. And even at the end of the, the match, he basically asked for a selfie with Velveteen Dream, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought the cr- the live crowd was pretty forgiving, though. I thought they gave him a good response, but I, I did feel that way watching it too. Yeah, I just felt like me as a consumer, it's like God, like it's like this guy's doing a good job, but it's like it's hard to like take you know the perception of him based on what the main roster's done away. Mm-hmm. Like it, it does linger. You, you would hope, like you know. I mean, you can get all the you still got it chance you want, but like, you know, it just, I guess it's just more frustration with the main roster for me. Yeah. Of which there is a lot. Uh, let's go to this question of the week. We actually got two questions this week. This week. One of them just came in a couple hours ago. The first one was oh. from, yeah, uh, Dalvin Brown, who sent in a uh, congratulatory message on uh, episode 100, which we played last week. So, uh, Thanks for the email, Dalvin. His his email was generally about Ring of Honor, and if they're at a low point, nobody's really talking about them. We kind of hit on that a little bit ago. I think that is definitely the case. Yeah, uh, that, that this situation with the fan getting taken back. Yeah, that's exactly what he mentioned in the email. So okay. they, they are at a low point, um, and uh, AEW is one of the worst things to happen to them, <laughs> you know, on the North American side, for sure. But, uh, yeah, that was a really bad look with the bully Ray and the whole thing that went down there. You know, a buddy of mine texted me. That's, you know, this is an angle that I didn't even think of is, you know, he was like, that's real rich of bully Ray considering some of his promos in ECW. Mm -hmm. I mean, okay. People change. That was 20 years ago, but you know, I mean, this guy would like cut promos and if you're don't like sensitive language, turn away, I guess. But like this guy would cut promos. Like I remember there was like a mother daughter at like an EC, at like I think it was Heatwave '98, and he's like, "Did your mother teach you how to suck dick?" Mm. And you know, and I like so like Bully Ray to me is not one of the first people, quite frankly, that I would um, envision being a leader for you know how fans should talk to women at wrestling shows. Sorry. Yeah, that was a messy, messy situation. But... I did like how somebody joked. It's like, man, I can't believe Ring of Honor would take a fan backstage that decreases their attendance by about twenty percent. Yeah, Ring of Honor's a real bad look. Yeah, I mean, you know, you want to talk anything you said about um, AEW affecting New Japan earlier is like ten times for Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor's in a lot of trouble. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, so this email, long form one, we're going to get to this. This is from Greg. He says, hi, guys, long time, first time, love you, love your show. Good Jim Rohn reference there. <laughs> love this guy already, Greg. Uh, it says, Kyle mentioned on episode 100 how someone astutely pointed out how everyone in WWE is just a name now, no characters. Are we in a world now where character rebranding is impossible? In the early 90s, 
He could just take Barry Darso off TV for a few months to rebrand him from Smash to, in my opinion, the most underrated televised wrestling personality of the 90s, the Repo Man. Now, is someone like Bray Wyatt stuck with that character as long as he works in the WWE? I'll hang up and take my answer off air. Greg, initial thoughts here, gentlemen. Let Justin go first because he actually noted he he thought of the same thing I did, but I think he got to it quicker in our texting. Yeah, you you can't go for a full rebrand on a character nowadays unless you catch it early, like in maybe an NXT. Um, all you can really do is tweak a character, um, like with Bray Wyatt is his current incarnation is really just a mild, mild tweak on what he was before. Um, whereas when he was Husky Harris, they caught him early enough. I mean, he did a little bit of main roster stuff, but it was just, you know, not enough to where the crowd is going to really attach themselves to the Husky Harris character with like Prince Albert, when he came back as uh Tensai, the crowd shit all over that Chowney, Chaney, you know, Prince Albert, Adam, um, so it really, really just, and you know, there's other instances, like what would you say for like Cody Rhodes to Stardust? I mean, that's a pretty radical change in character, which I think Cody did a good job with it. I don't think they booked it right, but I think the Stardust character could have possibly worked. Go yeah, ahead, that's, that's a good point. I, th- I think it's something where you're going from like a, excessive over the top character to, to a more realistic character maybe that works you know cody essentially just took off the paint and became himself i think that's a little easier to buy than going into like from a gimmick to a gimmick kind of thing kyle so the cody to stardust that just like what helped that is like they didn't like oh they weren't erasing the past with that right like they were still acknowledging this is Cody Rhodes. True, so, true, true. So, you know, to the the question and by um, Greg about you know like something like demolition smash going to the roof and that is very hard to do today. Something like that. And by the way, there's an irony. I don't think we're ever going to talk much Barry Darso on this program. So I, I do want to just take a moment here. There's an irony that he would be mentioned in this particular um, way because he was actually the second demolition smash. A lot of people know this. Um, after Randy Cully, who was one of the Moondogs. And the problem was everyone recognized Randy Cully as one of the Moondogs. And so they brought Barry Darso in as the new Smash. And, you know, nobody was chanting Crusher Khrushchev at him enough. But, um, you know, it's funny once, you know, I, I, when I was like 10 or 11 or whatever, I knew, I, I figured out without the power of the internet that the Repo Man was devilish and Smash. Like he kind of had that trademark voice and, and face and whatnot. And, you know, it's funny after that, because he went through some other, you know, when he went to WCW, like blacktop bully, you knew it was him. And, and what was the fucking golf gimmick that he did? Mm, it was yeah. something like, it was something like a takeoff of Payne Stewart. And he had to drop it. Remember? Cause Payne Stewart died of plane crash. Mm-hmm. God bless. I should look that up. But, um, it's funny. Justin mentioned it. And that's what I wanted to mention that Bray Wyatt actually is rebranded. Like, you can't go on for Bray Wyatt. You can't do a hard right turn for Bray Wyatt. Absolutely not. People are going to remember it. But Bray Wyatt was Husky Harris, as Justin astutely pointed out. And it's funny, I didn't even realize that at first. I was trying to think of 
the last time somebody did have a successful rebrand. And ironically, I thought of somebody else from the Nexus, Ryback, who was Skip Sheffield. And that worked, you know, nobody like when Ryback, I mean, say what you will about him, you know, he's kind of a tool, but like on Twitter at least, but like he got really over when, you know, in that CM Punk feud and nobody gave a shit about Skip Sheffield at that point. So when you look at kind of the, these two examples, Husky Harris to Bray Wyatt, Skip Sheffield to Ryback, I think there's a commonality there and it's probably speaks to the way half rebranding has to be done in the modern era. The first gimmick, it can't, it certainly can't be really good to the point that fans attach to it. And it probably can't even be really bad to the point that fans remember it. It's got to be just really vanilla. And it's got to be really short term. And then the person's got to go away for a little bit. And then, and this is always key, they come back with something better. You know, because I mean, again, when I was 10 years old, I knew The Undertaker was mean Mark from WCW, okay? By 1991, no one was saying, that's me, Mark. Mm -hmm. And for the record, there, I'll never forget one of my favorite, um, there was my favorite instance of gimmick rebranding not working. It's from that era when Roddy Piper infamously shit on Saba Simba on Superstars and kept saying, that's Tony Atlas. <laughs> and, and Vince McMahon was like desperate. No, no, I, I think he's gotten in touch with his heritage now and he's Saba Simba. And Mike was like, ah, it's Tony Atlas. Uh, so a, another uh, a big kind of rebrand, uh, a real big change of character for somebody I wanted to point out that was very successful is uh, APA Bradshaw to JBL. Those, those two characters are not really similar at all. Yeah. And that, that turned out pretty well for him. And, and Bradshaw had been on the main roster for a long time and been pretty successful too as, as that character, as APA Bradshaw. Yeah. That is a good example. Because you're right, that was a hard right turn. That's a very good example. Now, it's funny because I think when they pushed him so hard out of the gate, it kind of worked against him. People mm -hmm. are like, what the hell? You put a cowboy hat and all of a sudden the guy's got money and now he's a main eventer. Remember, like, there was a, like, I, I made the comparison to gender with JBL, where it's like, you know, you just, you know, put a fresh coat of paint on the guy, all of a sudden he's a main eventer. But JBL made that gimmick work. There's no doubt about it over time. Um, like, we remember, when you think, I guess, because even the name changed, but like, JBL is more famous for being JBL than Acolyte Bradshaw, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I mean that that act that is actually a very good example of that, like in relative modern WWE standards. Well, he switched numerous times because he was Justin Hawk Bradshaw, right? Yeah, and then maybe... Black Jack Bradshaw. Yeah. Oh, I, uh, love another... I love yeah. that tag team. Yeah. Another example <laughs> is uh, another example is Kane, Isaac Yankum. I think yeah. people pretty. I mean, I know he had the mask on, but you can mm -hmm. tell. And he was New Diesel in between too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. But I mean, we are going back a little bit. I mean, in the modern, like the, the like the last couple of years, um, it's getting harder. Oh and yeah, it is harder, and, and I really do think you have to have a very nondescript initial character to make it work. Does the internet hurt this at all? Just yes. because we're so connected to these guys all the time, and they play up their gimmicks, like on Twitter and Instagram too. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, okay, you know, we we've talked about it before, but when uh, me and Ryan went to that. Uh, uh, 
the Waterloo Hall of Fame show. And that guy came up to me. I was wearing a Seth Rollins shirt. And he's like, hey, you know, he was actually Tyler Black and he's from Iowa. And it's like a lot of wrestling fans just want to be the smartest person in the room. So if they see somebody that they know was somebody else, they're going to chant that, you know, to their heart's content. Oh, yeah. Don't get me started on Tyler Black. I mean, it's fun. That's right, Brett. We've both had our own Tyler Black guy experience. <laughs> yes. Um, Listen to our fast lane recap show for mine. <laughs> Go back in the archives, sports fans. Uh, so thanks, Greg, for sending in that message. And guys, if you have anything you want to chat about on the show, again, send it to topropenation at gmail.com. Love hearing from the listeners. We'll talk okay. about anything. Yes, we will. Uh Real quick, before we uh, go to Kyle's match of the week. Uh-oh, are we... Now, would this be the first time in three weeks that we talk main roster WWE? <laughs> it's been a while. It has been a long while. Damn it. Uh, the bait and switch on Raw with with Brock and saying he was going to cash in, which uh, we also got no Matt Riddle after he was teasing he was going to be on uh, Raw. He's, he's just doing an angle from that has zero chance of happening. It would be cool to see him just like jump out of the crowd and hey, dog yeah, shit yeah. out of Brock. But, you know what, though? There's another guy I have no confidence in the main roster doing right by is Matt Riddle. I think Vince will see him as a goofy stoner and have no I, I actually think NXT's already done a disservice, believe it or not. So you're right, because like I think NXT's taken a little bit of this baby is nitpicky, a little bit of the shot. I think they book him too much as a goofy stoner. Mm-hmm. So we we had the bait and switch on the briefcase cash in and everything. Is he gonna cash in at uh the show on Friday in Saudi Arabia? Kyle, you have a theory on this you wanted to share? I see it in our show notes here. What do you think? So it says you're going to be very mad if you're correct. Yeah. So at first I just kind of wanted to talk about the whole concept of them hyping Brock Lesnar will cash in tonight and then not doing it. So there was a slight bump in the raw rating this week. So maybe you could say it worked. I'm not ready to go that far because you know, what happens next? You know, are you just going to keep going with this? Could people catch on and it'll, you know, bait and switch never works over the long term. Um, by the way, this speaks to something we said last year, Ryan. Money in the Bank's kind of a tired gimmick, I think. It's over. The gimmick is over. But it's tired because you could, they're trying to get rid of this briefcase as soon as possible. Now, you got two briefcases, two years in a row. They've had the women cash the night of. And, you know, they're trying to get, you know, I, I think it speaks to that. But here's my theory. So I'm like, all right, is he going to show up and cash it on Friday? Because he, he said, I mean, that was the big angle, Friday, Friday. So we expect him to be a super showdown in Jet on Friday. Here's my theory. What if he cashes it in on Kofi Kingston? Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about that when he won it, that uh, what if he, what if he went that direction? Yeah. But here's, so here's why I'll be really mad if that happens. One, <laughs> it means Brock Lesnar is a world champion in this company again, which is like the last thing I want. But two... Not only will he be a world champion, he will have also just kicked the other world champion's ass with no retribution. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that goes to some of the stuff John Moxley was saying in this thing. Brock Lesnar's going to do what makes Brock Lesnar look good. You know, he went into the um, SummerSlam from last year and, you know, we were all like, what the hell? They just went off the air and everybody looked kind of stupid in that whole when when Braun didn't cash in. 
Mm-hmm. Well, we now know that Brock got all, all that stuff changed. It was supposed to be a shield reformation, and that didn't happen. So I could see that happening, and God, do I not want that to be the case. Yeah, I would not be happy in any fashion if Brock Lesnar held a world title again. <laughs> so I would agree. I, I would not like that either. And yeah, you move him over to SmackDown then, and Seth doesn't get any heat back. That would suck. So I, I hope not. Well, no. I mean, a lot of our listeners listening right now, they probably already know because yeah. that show's happening within hours of this show releasing. So. Yeah. Um, Daniel Cormier did an interview. Did you guys see this? Uh, the UFC no. champion. Very recent. No. Okay. He cut, he, he talked about Brock and he said what I've been thinking for a while and it doesn't paint a very smart picture of Vince McMahon. Do you ever think Brock Lesnar really wanted to go back to the UFC? I know he did. Um, the Park. first time, uh, I, I did a little bit the first, was it the time that they were drawing it out on like ESPN? I think we did a podcast that night. I thought maybe that time he would, but. All the other teases, not really. Okay, since 2000, he went back in, what was that, 2016, he beat Mark Hunt, but then the decision was overturned because he failed the drug test. Yeah. Okay. Since that, do you really think he's wanted to go back? I don't. He's getting too old. Yes, because, okay, you can say, well, he went back and won, but he cheated. He took performance-hancing drugs. Okay? If he goes back, he's old, he's probably going to get his ass kicked. So if I'm Vince McMahon, who, who like is like all afraid of like losing Brock to the UFC, what are you afraid of? Like, so Cormier made, basically made that point. He's like, Brock doesn't want to come back here. He's gonna have to work too hard. And he's probably gonna have to. He's probably gonna lose. Mm-hmm. So Brock Lesnar's played Vince McMahon like a god darn fiddle. Yeah. We were also talking about in our text thread the other day. What evidence is there that Brock Lesnar is a draw in 2019? I would love for somebody to throw me some evidence that this guy is a draw for WWE. He was, I think he he sparked a lot of interest when he first came yes. back years yes. ago. Yes. So this, um, if you want to get angry, Vince McMahon like held it against both Punk and Brian um, that the SummerSlam 2013 number was significantly lower than the 12 number. Mm-hmm. Um, and 12 was the first. Um, was the first big four show he was back for. He, of course, came back the night after WrestleMania in 2012. Um, God, that Extreme Rules match was so good with Cena, except for the fact that they beat Lesnar in his first match. <laughs> remember when I used to complain? God, that was pre-podcast, but I remember when I used to complain that Brock Lesnar didn't win enough. Well, you uh, know what? The, I, I've said it on the program before. The worst thing that ever happened to him was this stupid suplex city thing. Is the worst thing to yes. ever. He got so lazy after that that one match, and he's just relied on that for years. His matches are boring as all hell. And he's a guy with talent that can put on good matches, but they're all the same. Just no interest in this guy yeah. whatsoever. So he's had the good matches with AJ, Daniel Bryan, and Finn Balor recently, like the last year and a half, right? And they're all pretty identical matches. You know, yes. I think mm-hmm. um, I would definitely go Brian, AJ, Finn in order of best to worst. But they, those matches don't do anything for the opponents. No. Like at all. Like he just like kicks the Like, okay, he, you know, he does a good job of giving them like a comeback. I'll give him that. He feeds their comeback well. But like in the end, he always wins clean. And these guys are like the champ, like two occasions where the champion of the other brand. Mm-hmm. So I just 
Adam Brock wasn't a draw the first time he was with the company in the early aughts. He wasn't around long enough, really. I mean, he, he yeah. was just getting that huge push yeah. when he left. Ratings were ratings went down the entire period he was on top. And we could also say, who has Brock Lesnar made? And I know the name that they're going to throw out is Roman Reigns. No, yes. he Did he really make Roman Reigns, though? Like, he, I, I wouldn't think so. I don't think so. He has so. done such a disservice to Roman Reigns. Yes. He's done a disservice to Braun Strowman, too. He's Not only has he not put anyone over, he has actively hurt the two guys who probably should be the top two stars in the company right now. Absolutely. Uh, Justin, any thoughts on this whole conversation? I've never heard of this main roster that you guys are talking about. <laughs> Justin's like boycotting, so yes. Oh, man. Yeah, so we'll see. I think the other rumor for Saudi Arabia, which I don't know how much of time I want to spend on this because by the time a lot of people hear this, it's already aired. But there's a rumor that there could be a women's match, that Natalia and Alexa Bliss are traveling there, that they, they could be involved in some fashion. Um, be interesting to see if they do that, how they integrated the show, because we know the Saudis have been so against like they, they got a uh, they've apologized because a promo at what at their first show had some women in it. Well, apparently Jeddah's a little more liberal. Apparently, I don't know. It might be, <laughs> it's the Portland of Saudi Arabia. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, so one of my favorite Twitter accounts said, what if they sent him out there with mustaches and just pretend it's a match match? <laughs> it's Alex Bliss against Nathan Neidhart. To just play <laughs> I, I can tell you what, if they do wrestle that show, their their outfits are going to be like that of WCW's Arachnaman. I was also going to say something well, about that because they said yes. Alexa has the uh, outfit she wore from bodysuit Abu Dhabi. Mm-hmm. And Even so, man, that crowd's going to lose it seeing Alexa Bliss out there in that bodysuit. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> It'll be an interesting watch, but uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, do you know what? So I know you guys hate him. And you hate everything about him. And I think you're completely not objective about the whole thing. Let's I not talk, talk about Goldberg. Well, I'm going to. Oh, so, come on. Okay. I don't care what you think of Goldberg. I don't care what you think of Randy Orton. I don't care what you think of Triple H. I don't care what you think of The Undertaker. Should Is it wrong the, on a theoretical basis for those four to be headlining any sort of major show uh, in 2019? Probably it is. Okay. But at the same time... They were like, I thought those promo exchanges were like the most over thing on WWE television this week. And I'm and the reason they were over is so maddening. So did you read like that, like the stuff that like Goldberg, the promo was unscripted or whatever? Do you know why those promos worked to a degree, even if you don't like those guys? Because they were short and to the fucking point. And because they're they're not on television. Yes. Like, it's so funny. Like, it actually frustrates me because it shows that the WWE, that, you know, Vince and, and the creative, those at the high up in the creative process actively know, they do still know what works, but they just choose not to do it for everyone else. Like, it's real, like Goldberg and Undertaker, it's very simple to build that match. You just have them both come out, say, I'm going to kick the other one's ass. You have a stare down. That's it. Boom. There's your match. Triple H, Randy Orton. Okay, it's a tired program. Generally speaking, the matches haven't been good between the two for the years. Um, you, all you do is have Randy Orton deliver the line about, you know, Triple H leaving his balls in Stephanie's purse. Boom, there's your match. Like, you know, it's just about just that one, it's about just having one key angle. You know, just one line, one promo. Not sending these guys out there to die, 
doing a little bit of comedy for 10 minutes and these like freaking horrible Pavlov dog promos where they like say something just to get like, you know, Kofi's like, I achieved my dream at WrestleMania. Pause. You deserve it. You know, it's like, we get it, Kofi. You deserve it. It was a really good match, but it's like, you know, it's so frustrating that they give people who probably don't need it the correct creative license and everyone else is so handcuffed. That's on weekly TV. Very frustrating to me. There's there's no way though that like a Goldberg or a Taker is not going to get that response. Like you mentioned, yeah, he got a great response. It's not just that he had oh, yeah. a short pro. Like it's because he hasn't been on there for years and he's yes. a legend from twenty years ago. But oh. even with that said, you send Goldberg out there week after week. Oh no, even doing die. brief promos, he's not going to get that reaction after this week. It's it's exactly a big part of it is because he's a legend that they haven't seen in a long time. Okay, so the legend thing absolutely one hundred and seventy three percent helps. There's no doubt about that. But it's also be not being on TV every week, cutting the same effing generic promo. Mm-hmm. Like his promo, I guess, to be blunt with you, wasn't that groundbreaking. It was basically, I'm going to kick the under, I'm back, I'm going to kick the Undertaker's ass. It was pretty standard pro wrestling 101 promo. But like, I know they have all these hours to fill, and that's probably a problem into itself. But like, they know how to book matches. Like, hey. it just it's just frustrating. Hey. Kyle, did, yes. did Goldberg's promo get you excited for the match? It kind of did. It was the most over, like I said, it was the most over thing on WWE TV this week. The Goldberg okay. Undertaker thing. So, so it was over with you. Like you, you're kind of pumped for this Undertaker Goldberg match. That promo more than anything else. More than anything else on that show. Yes. Okay. Okay. Mm, I, would I disagree. The, the stare, the stare <laughs> down worked. The crowd was going crazy for it. Again, because it's a novelty. It's not because it's well yes. booked. It's because it's a novelty. But it doesn't like it is well booked. Like it's a novelty. But you, it's not either or. Uh, I think I think it is. I think booking is how you set up a storyline and you play through it. I think this, no matter what they do, they could have cut the shittiest promo in the history of wrestling. The crowd would have popped for it because they're legends that have never wrestled before. It it doesn't matter. It's, I think it's a novelty. I, I think. That if you you do stuff with where you just concentrate for these like these pay per view matches with guys who are active on the main roster, and you just concentrate on them doing one key angle in the four week build up, it would be so much better than having. Uh, I, I I agree with that. I do agree with that. For, that's for that's sure. my point. That's for my sure. point. Yeah. Okay, let's go to the. Uh, I love this sport. Match of the week. Wait, weren't you going to change the title of this? Kyle? I love this sport. Deep dive. Oh yeah. Okay. So bring it out, Kyle. It's time for the I love the sport deep dive of the week. Take it away. Okay. So I mentioned earlier that this week, uh, pretty significant in terms of anniversaries of great matches over in the land of the rising sun. We celebrated the 30 year anniversary of Junichiro Tenru against Jumbo Saruta, which is widely considered to be the best match of the 1980s over in Japan. We just celebrated the silver anniversary, 25 years, of uh, Masawa Kawada, generally considered to be the best match of the 1990s. Um, if you haven't seen either of those, those matches, by the way, by all means, please stop what you're doing right now and go and watch them. You should have. But, you know, we were talking about uh, Super Juniors, the best of the Super Juniors earlier uh, in this program. And um, if you want to go, anyone who's a patron can listen to our Bash at the Beach uh, 
breakdown where we talked about Rey Mysterio and Psychosis from the, that opened that show in 1996. And how it, does that match still hold up with 2019 eyes? So you know me, I was like, have some sort of tie-in for everything for this little segment. And I think I found the perfect one for this week. Best of the Super Juniors talk and a match that I, from that era, that does hold up pretty well with 2019 eyes. Definitely better than Ray and Psychosis. So this was uh, the finals of the fourth annual Best of the Super Juniors in 1997. Uh, just celebrated its 22nd uh, anniversary. El Samurai against Koji Kanemoto. Uh, Samurai is a guy who history has forgotten, and that is a damn tragedy because he never did anything over here in the United States. Kanemoto had a cup of coffee. He worked that Star K95 show against Alex Wright. Um, it was generally considered the second best match of that show behind Guerrero and Otani. But this El Samurai Koji Kanemoto match really holds up well, I think, against some of its peers from that era. Um, you know, I think if you go back and watch. Um, matches that, you know, even like, you know, what was considered the best junior heavyweight match of that decade, you know, great Sasuke against um, Benoit. I feel like this kind of holds up better than that did. So that's, you know, and, and this is available on the internet. If you type in your Google bar, El Samurai versus Koji Kanemoto, you will get a result. Widely available on the interwebs. I wouldn't go widely, but it's available. <laughs> All right, check it out, guys. Let us know what you think, topropenation at gmail.com. And uh, again, I'm going to give it one last hard sell, but I really love that uh, Top Rope Nation classic show we did over Bash at the Beach that Kyle just mentioned. Patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. Try it out for the month of June for five bucks. You'll get all the exclusive content. You'll get that show. You can join us every week for the exclusive live cast as we record the flagship here we are streaming right now on youtube for our patrons you get the show a day early and of course that free t-shirt in the mail all for just five bucks so what check it deal. out it is a good deal man i mean if you saw a shirt for five bucks you'd probably pick it up if it looked cool and our shirts are pretty good looking and you get all the bonus content so i'm good looking and kyle has one of these shirts so uh definitely definitely check it out I was good looking uh, before the shirt, but it helps. <laughs> <laughs> It'll get you attention from your lady friends yeah. for sure. All right, guys, any, any parting words before we take it home here? Go Raptors. Yes. Agreed. We're all Canadian this week. Kyle. Love that the under just hit. Big win for me. Nice. Kyle taking home that betting money. Always, always a good thing. Doing a little, doing, doing better in the Stanley Cup, little better in the Stanley Cup Finals than I am the NBA Finals right now. Had the under last night. That wasn't good. Toronto's still scoring. <laughs> well, follow him at TRP Kyle. You can get Justin at Justin Joint. I am at Historical Ryan, and of course, we've got the show Twitter page. We're on Instagram as well. Both of those are at Top Rope Nation. We will be back next week with episode 102. Check out the exclusive content on Patreon for more, more audio from us. And uh, we'll check you guys out next week. Have Peace. a good weekend.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.